The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed, and I gather where I have not winnowed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From a very early age, Sam dreamed of being rich and powerful, while Other kids dreamed of being baseball players or firemen or president of the United States. Sam dreamed of being a powerful and rich businessman. And Sam had what it would take to live into that boyhood dream. He was very smart, handsome, of good stock, witty and winsome. And he was a great judge of the souls and characters of others. Sam could win people over and influence them into doing whatever he thought needed to be done. He was a natural-born leader. 
Sam excelled through high school, voted most popular, most likely to succeed, and homecoming king. He was a hometown hero and a person whom everyone loved. Sam was able to choose his university, and as you could probably guess, he excelled there as well. He was at the top of his class, the president of several societies, and one of the most admired in his fraternity. Now, Sam, because of his prowess, charm, and achievements, was able to take his pick of business internships. And in all those things, Sam excelled. By the time he earned his master's degree, Sam was well-connected and had Fortune 500 companies fighting over him. Sam took a position with a very aggressive investment company. While there, he learned a great deal. While there, Sam become, became somewhat famous for his dealings and his foresight. It wasn't long, perhaps five or six years, until Sam decided to strike out on his own. He had nothing and no one to hold him back. By his mid-thirties, Sam had conquered the world. He had six houses, boats, cars, multiple hobbies, multiple companies. He'd taken a wife, had several children, and they had, by every outward appearance, a rich, wonderful, successful life. Now, Sam continued in this way the rest of his working life, buying and selling companies and investments, buying new and different houses, cars, boats, and taking up new and interesting hobbies. Sam traveled with his family. They took several months of vacation every year. They saw the world several times over. Sam really did seem to have it all. Charming, witty, successful, winsome, famous. His life was the desire of many. But Sam's life was really no life at all. While he had more physical and material goods in some small towns, throughout most of his life he failed completely to work on and develop a life of another kind. And late one night, it was all laid bare. Sam was returning home from a gathering of gentlemen, gentlemen who had formed a group to celebrate success, the American dream. They spent the evening smoking cigars and drinking scotch, spent the evening swapping stories of financial conquest and takeover. While Sam drove home, he swerved to miss a wayward dog on the highway and inadvertently crashed head-on into an incoming car. He was killed instantly. Now, an odd thing about this crash, the person in the other car was very much like Sam. Smart, handsome, of good stock, witty, winsome. And he, too, was a great judge of the souls and characters of others. The driver of the other car had a very similar opportunity in life. Yet even though both shared similar talents and qualities, this man chose a different path. He was successful as well, but sometime as a young man, he had begun to realize that perhaps there was more to life than material conquest. The man made a habit out of church. He'd become very devout, as a matter of fact, and from his church going, he awakened to the spiritual reality around him. He'd begun to give more and more time and efforts to charities. He founded some, funded others, and gave his time to others still. He saw as the highest priority in life 
his spiritual life. He committed himself and his family to prayer and devotion. He became well-known just like Sam, but for another reason. He was known as a generous and kind man, a man of character and principle, a man who had a love for those around him. So when the two men died on that night, one man had much to show for his life. He had been generous. He had spent a great deal of time working on his soul, on becoming hope. He had indeed produced much with the talent he had been given. Sam, on the other hand, every talent he had been given was now buried in the earth. Nothing lasting, nothing eternal to show for his life. My brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, for these next two weeks, these final weeks leading up to the season of Advent, the church turns its attention, focuses on the end of the world, on our final judgment. In this morning's gospel, Jesus spends time preparing the disciples for the remainder of their lives. Specifically, Jesus tells them a parable that gives them insight into the nature of God's judgment and therefore insight into what their lives should look like, should be about. The gospel for this morning is affectionately known as the parable of the talents. It records the accomplishments and the shortcomings of three servants and their master. We all know the master of the house entrusts them with differing sums of money and leaves on a journey. When he returns, he takes a reckoning of the stewardship of each. Two of them are good stewards, and he praises. The third buries his in the earth and is cursed by the master. It's very important to think about this parable within its context. Jesus has entered in Jerusalem triumphantly. He has turned over the tables in the temple. He has had discourses, arguments, fights even with the Pharisee, with the Sadducee, with the Herodian. It's about time for the passion to begin. Jesus says some of his final sayings, his final instruction. The context is telling them how to live life. This is about Christ's return, the last judgment. And it's no coincidence that things in our modern world exist such as talent shows, talent agencies, talent scouts, talent surveys, and the like. The monetary measure used in the gospel this morning is called a talent. And our modern word talent comes directly from that word, is that word, untranslated, talent. A talent then is understood as a gift or skill or ability. It's something at which something, someone excels. So if we look at this through God's eyes, as it were, the lens of God, theologically, a talent is an ability, a skill, a gift that is given to us from God. God gives us the talent we possess, whether great or small, each according to his ability. God gives us whatever talent we possess. So between our Lord's ascending into heaven before Pentecost and before his returning to judge the world, or looking on a personal level, in our lifetimes and before our deaths, we are given talent, God-given talent, and asked 
to make something of these talents. Now, there's one particular verse in this morning's gospel that I think is pivotal in understanding this passage. 25, 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, this man literally left the property, the land of the master, and buried his talent in the earth, dug a hole and buried it. Now, if we're paying close attention this morning, we'll pick up on something very telling. We can assume that the other two servants used their talents on spiritual pursuits, spiritual investments, on furthering the kingdom of God. The third servant, however, buried his in the ground. Now, while you can understand this verse as the third servant did nothing with what God gave him, you can also understand it in a more active manner. And I think that's how it should be understood. The third man who buries his talent in the earth is indeed active and uses his talent, makes use of it, but he uses it on earthly things, things that do not heal or save his soul, things that do not make him holy, things that do not further the kingdom of God. This man uses what God has given him for worldly things, worldly pursuits, and is no better off, no more holy when the master returns for reckoning. The third man worried only with physical and material, fleeting and passing things to the detriment of his soul, to the detriment of God's kingdom. And when the master returned, he was empty-handed, having done nothing lasting. Beloved, we are all given talents. We are all given talents. Some many and great, others smaller and less obvious. But we are all given talents. As we think about our judgment, as we prepare ourselves for the end of the world, the coming of Jesus Christ, this gospel forces us to think about how we use what God has given us. Are our talents put to use in a godly and heavenly manner? Do we use what God has given us to bring us and the world closer to God? To advance God's kingdom? Do we see as most important the health of our soul becoming holy? Do we use the talents to keep our soul healthy? through church-going and prayer and devotion and works of charity and mercy? Do we use our talents to further God's kingdom? If we do not use the things God has given us to prepare ourselves and to prepare others for God's kingdom, then at the end of our days, we will stand before our Lord and Savior with nothing to show for our lives but talent buried in the earth. And that would be a terrible waste and tragedy. So as Advent and Christmas approach, let us work together on the health of our souls. Let us prepare ourselves and prepare others for God's coming kingdom. Let us be diligent in our worship and prayer and devotion. Let us be about acts of charity and mercy in this community. 
Let us live lives so that when Jesus returns, he will look on us with great joy and proclaim, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter then into the joy of your master. I promise you, you will find no better or more lasting return on any investment and no better use of your talent. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.